thank you so much for joining the Faith Chapel podcast. Wherever you may be joining us from, we hope that you know that you are loved and that this message encourages you throughout your week. Well, I think today is one of the top three days in all the Christian calendar for us. And I think we can agree on the first two, so let me just start with what those look like. The first one is probably Christmas, right? I mean, Christmas is probably the number one day on the calendar for us as Christians. That is the day that God became flesh and dwelt among us. That is the day that God said, I am not going to require you to come to me, I'm gonna go to you. That I love you so much, I'm gonna spend 33 and a half years living on this planet. And it is where we, where we celebrate the babe of Bethlehem, the Messiah in a manger, the Christ in a crib. It's that day, it's Christmas. That's the number one day. But very close, number two on that list would probably be Easter. As Jesus wraps up his final few days here on the earth, those final few moments where he was flogged and beaten, where he was suspended between heaven and earth, where he died and gave his life, was buried and came out of the grave and, and, and rose victorious over hell, death, and the grave, that's got to be a close second for us as believers. Amen? Can we both agree that those are probably the two biggest days of the year? And that's probably why the attendance on those two days are so big. I'm glad you're here and it's not one of those days, amen. You're not one of those CEO Christians, Christian, you know, Christmas and Easter only kind of Christians. For you get it. But there's, those are the two biggest days. But today is probably maybe one of the top five, if not the third biggest day of the year for us. The reason why I say that is because while everyone else is focused on costumes and candy today, and can I just hit the pause button and just get on a soapbox for a moment? Can I do that? It bothers me when Christian people start talking about how churches are celebrating Satan when they do anything on Halloween. Can, can, if we fall into that kind of ideology and false doctrine, can I just help you with that this morning? How many of you believe that the entire world celebrates Christ's birth on December 25th when they give a gift? There's not one of you in this room believes that the entire planet celebrates Christ's birth just because it's a date on the calendar and we all celebrate and we all have that day off. Amen? Oh, come on now. Now I'm stepping on your toes and everybody wants to be quiet on me. We don't believe that. Nobody believes that. And you don't believe that. We don't believe that the whole world shuts down and says, you know what? For one day, I'm going to celebrate Jesus. I'm going to do that for one day. We don't believe that. And guess what? It's the same true with tonight. Just because we're doing something for the community, we're passing out candy, we're having a little bit of fun, that doesn't mean we're, ce we're celebrating demons or the devil. What it does mean what we're doing is this. We're redeeming the time and we're redeeming the day just like God tells us to do and we're making sure the gospel of Jesus Christ goes forth and we're letting our light shine in dark places so people will see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. We're giving people a safe place to come so they can come here and experience what real Christianity and real life looks like and where else are they gonna find it unless it's through his church. And so we're gonna be the church tonight. That's why we're asking you to help out. That's why we're asking you to sign up. That's why we need your trunks. We provided everything else. You show up and help us, and let's love on people. Amen. Jesus got in trouble because he hung out with sinners. Well, I want to invite the entire San Diego area to come out and be a part of our trunk or tree tonight. And whether you love God or not, just come out. It's going to be a safe, fun place for everybody to come. And I want to hang out with you. Amen. All right. 
So we, can we still be friends? It's real shaky right now, I know. But while everybody else is focused on costumes and candy, there's something else that we as believers can focus on that happened on this day. I think it's a sacred day, I think it's a special day, and I don't think it gets enough attention. October 31st, 1517, there was some major event that happened that probably brought the greatest transformation of Western society since the gospel was first brought by the apostles to the Roman Empire. What happened on that day truly brought about a reformation. In fact, it's what it's called. It's called Reformation Day. If you don't know what it is, I'm gonna help you with that just a little bit, but just turn to your neighbor and say, hey, happy Reformation Day. The Reformation Day is the day that changed the entire world. Everything in the world changed because of one event in one time on one day on October 31st, 1517. An Augustine monk named Martin Luther had been studying the scriptures and he decided the church was negligent in some areas. In fact, they were, they were coming alongside and saying, you gotta add these things to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not just Christ alone. They were adding to that. And he felt like scripture didn't communicate that at all. And he was getting so, he was getting so frustrated with what was happening. He began to, to look in, at a calendar date as he was allowing that frustration to grow. And on November the 1st, All Saints Day, in his hometown, there was gonna be all these religious relics that were brought in. And there were pilgrims all over Europe that were gonna come to Wittenberg, Germany, and they were gonna celebrate All Saints Day watching all these religious relics. Well, he chose to start a dialogue. And that dialogue brought upon a reformation, which brought upon a revival, which brought upon a revolution that was called the Protestant Reformation as he nailed 95 theses to that castle door wall that day and said, this is what the Bible says. And one of those things that he pinned on the wall, it was this, he said, the gospel is the centerpiece of, the Christ, of Christian faith that it is the gospel of Jesus Christ that is truly the treasure trove of, of the gospel, that we need to make sure that we're making Christ first in everything that we do, that it's Christ preeminent in all things. He began to focus also in the Reformation. He began to also focus on the justification by faith and how he got to this place in Ephesians chapter two, and he said, this is what real transformation looks like. The real transformation in our life looks a lot like this. And he began to quote Ephesians chapter two. And I want us to look at it this morning because I believe this is the same transformation that God wants for your life and my life. And I want you to know right up from the beginning, anything that adds to or takes away from your salvation is not true. Can I just say up front that anything that adds to or takes away from the gospel or Jesus Christ in your life being the only thing that you need for salvation is false doctrine. Paul talks to the church and he says this, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, meaning you didn't do anything to deserve it, you didn't do anything to merit it, and you can't do anything to bring it into your life. Well then, how did we receive all this? It is a, say gift. It is a gift from God. Now, as we pause here just a moment, if I were to give you a gift, whether you deserved it or not, anybody ever receive a gift on their birthday or Christmas that you didn't deserve? Huh? Some of you know, I'm so sorry for your childhood, amen. I have, I've received gifts in my life that I did not deserve. 
People went out of their way to find something that I really like, went over the top, spent more money than they should. We've probably all been a part of something where we've received something we didn't deserve. Where we said that we opened it up and we're like, oh my gosh, this is too much. But I'll take it anyway, amen, right? Can I tell you, that's the same way it is with God. He looked at us and he said, you're in need of salvation. You're in need of transformation. You're in need of life. And you don't deserve this, but I'm going to give you a gift. And that gift is Jesus Christ. That's God's gift to humanity. And you don't need anything else for salvation. It is a gift of God. Nothing from yourself. It's a gift from God. What's what it goes on to say? Not by works. I mean, you can't do anything to earn it so that no one can boast. For we are God's. You know why no one can boast? Because God is worthy of it all. We've been singing about it. He's worthy, right? He's the only one that is worthy. We cannot boast about salvation at all. If we boast, Paul said, I boast in the Lord. That's the only boast that we have because it's not by works. We don't bring it about so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork creating crises to do good works. Now I want you to see this. It is not by works where we're created to do good works. It's important you get this. Salvation doesn't come by works, but God created us to do good works, which we prepared in advance for us to do. When we give our lives to Christ, it is out of the love of God that is in us that compels us to go and share Christ with people and to serve his kingdom and to serve our brother and sisters and those around us. It is the love of Jesus Christ in us that compels us to go and do good work. But we can't earn salvation by works. Amen. That's not how it works. Transformation, according to Paul, in your notes now, and I hope you're following along at home and on the app, but transformation, according to Paul, is by grace alone. It's by grace alone. What is grace? It is unmerited favor. It is unmerited. You don't deserve it. You can't bring it into your life. You can't work hard enough. You can't give enough money. Although you could try here, that'd be great. You can't give enough money. That's a joke. You can't do anything to bring salvation, transformation in your life. It is by grace alone. It's by grace alone. And why do we then sometimes in our Christian experience, even those of us like you and I that have been in this for a long time, why do we then why do we then sometimes when we slip up, when we stumble and fall, when we get back up, we, get, we listen to the voice of the enemy in our life and he says, oh, you're not doing enough. You're not giving enough. You're not serving enough. You're not doing this enough. And we begin to get into some kind of works doctrine in our life, in our experience. And we're like, you're right. I'm not reading enough every day. I'm not praying enough every day. I'm not serving enough every week. I'm not giving enough. And we begin to get fall, fall back into a works doctrine can I tell you, there is no joy in a works doctrine. You know why? Because you can't earn your way. It is by, say it with me, grace alone. What does grace look like? Well, grace, number one in your notes, it looks like this. It seeks us first. It seeks us first. Sometimes we think that grace begins with us seeking God, but it's really the other way around, that God seeks after us. That God sent his one and only son, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
when we didn't even recognize we needed salvation, we didn't even recognize we needed transformation, we didn't even recognize we needed cleaned up, we didn't recognize that our sin was ever before separating us from God, when we didn't even know that, God said, look, I'm pursuing you. And the reason why you're seated here today is because the Holy Spirit continued to pursue you until you said yes to God. He was seeking after you way before you began to seek after him. That's what grace looks like. It reminds me in the garden where Adam and Eve had sinned and they felt like, oh no, they had distanced themselves from God and sin does distance us from God. So they hid themselves, they clothed themselves. And what happened is God showed up and he began to walk in the cool of the day. And he says, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? They were living in condemnation in that moment, trying to hide themselves and distance themselves from God. And God was like, where are you? I still want to be with you. I still want to be in fellowship with you. I still want to be in relationship with you. Where are you? Now, sin has consequences just like it did in the Garden of Eden. But can I tell you something? That God is still asking you that very question. Where are you? Where are you? Come and meet with me. Where are you? You can't do anything to deserve what I want to give you. It is by grace alone. It is by grace alone. I am seeking after you. I'm wanting to be a part of your life. Where are you? Number two, grace. Grace to it has the power to change us. It has the power to change us. There's a story of when David became king and he wanted to honor Saul. He wanted to honor Saul's household. He asked the question, is there not anybody that I can honor that's still living a part of Saul's household? And they came forward, they said, Mithibosheth, and, and here's, he's lame. And, you know, and he was hiding out in this city called Lodabar. In your notes, Lodabar means this, no word or no thing. He was hiding out in Lodabar, which means no word or no thing. It just stuck out to me this week that there are so many times people in the church and even people outside the church, those that, that you hang out with, those are at your workplace, maybe in your own family, that say, you know what, be quiet. You don't have any word. You don't have anything to say. You're a no thing. You're a nothing. And we listen. And we stay in the city of Lodabar. We hang out in the city of Lodabar. We hang out with the people that say, you're nothing. You have no voice. You have no word. You have no credibility. You have no status. You have nothing here. And we hang out in Lodabar and we keep thinking that that, and God says, no, no, that's not what grace is. And David called them out of Lodabar and God is calling you out of your Lodabar. And he's saying, listen, I have a place for you. I'm gonna sit you in high places. In fact, when he called Mephibosheth out of the city, he said, I am gonna treat you like a son. You will always have a table at my dinner place. You will always be well-fed. You will always have a place in my palace. That's what God does for you. He said, you don't deserve it, but you're a child of the king. I've been, you've been bought with a price. I'm bringing you in. And he said, I'm going to feed you. I'm going to clothe you. I'm going to give you provision. I'm going to give you grace, unmerited favor that you don't deserve. I'm going to provide. Get out of Lodabar and get into the family of God, church. I'm telling you, when we embrace the grace that God provides for us, we leave behind our old sinful lives and we begin, to, we begin to get beyond our brokenness into a place where God says, you're no longer a servant, but you're my child. Look what grace is. Grace, I've heard it say, said that it stands for God's riches at Christ's expense. G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's, at Christ's expense. Can I, can I tell you, it's exactly what it is. 
God sent his one and only son and he died for you and I. But can I, can I tell you, so many times we think it's about our goodness when it's really about the goodness of God. It's not about our goodness. We can't walk around thinking that some days we're good and other days we're not. Can I tell you that there's no one righteous, no, not one. That's what scripture teaches. Can I tell you this, that we're all sinners saved by grace. That the heart is desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? That's what scripture teaches. You wanna know what God says, of, what God's word says about you? That's what it says about us. That we are stained, that we are broken vessels, that we, that we are far from God. Unless the Holy Spirit, by his grace, brings Christ into our life and we put a robe of righteousness around us. Now, God's riches, the righteousness of Christ becomes us. And we can step into the throne room of grace and find help in our time of need. That's what grace does. Grace gives us an invitation where there is no invitation. Grace opens the door that once was shut. Grace says, welcome home. That's what grace does. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. He paid the price so you wouldn't have to. Transformation number two is through faith alone. It's by grace through faith alone. It's grace alone and faith alone. Can I tell you that faith is the currency of heaven? You know, you've been said you can't take your money with you, which is true, but you can take faith with you. Faith is the currency of heaven. So, Pastor, how do you know that? Well, if he Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 makes it very simple. It says, and without faith, say without faith. It is what? It is impossible. That makes it pretty clear. I mean, there's no wiggle room there, is there? It says, if you lack faith, it is impossible to do what? To please God. So we have to have faith. Well, pastor, how do I get faith? Well, I'm glad you asked. We'll come back to this in just a second. I'm glad you asked. The Bible says that God has given every one of us a measure of faith. Can I tell, can I tell you that I'm absolutely blown away that everything that I need to be in right relationship with God and to live victorious in this world, God gave me. Even the very faith that I needed in order to believe upon him for salvation, he's the one that stuck it in my heart and he placed it in your life. He gives everyone a measure of faith. You don't have to try to muster it up, in other words. He's given it to each and every one of us. And without faith, without exercising that faith, it's impossible to please God. Why? Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. It's through faith alone. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve to be saved. I surely cannot save myself. Salvation comes to me through grace of, through the grace of God. And there is nothing that I have done to merit, to deserve it, or bring it into my life. But it's what God has done for me. And it's what God has done for you. But it happens through faith as I do my part. You know, we, we help people make their confession of faith. Scripture says this, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart, that's exercising our faith, then we shall be saved. Saved from what? All of our trespasses, all of our sin, all of our false thinking, all of our false motives, everything that's been in our life, we are been, well, that, that once was, that was dark is brought into the light and we are made whole all because of God's grace 
being activated through faith. Look at what transformation number three, right out of Paul's words. He says, it's also in Christ alone. So it's by grace, through faith alone, but it's in Christ alone. I don't normally do this, but I want, I want you to follow along with me in a very lengthy passage, Hebrews or Ephesians chapter one. And, and I want you to follow along because this will help us. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people. Is that us? That's us, right? Made holy by the blood of Jesus. So that's us in Ephesus and all of us now that we have the word of God. The faithful in Christ Jesus. That's what we're called. The faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing, what? In in Christ, for he chose us in him, in Christ, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to his sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, for the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one, that's in Christ, he loves. In him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the Forgiveness of sin in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Don't you love that word? He lavished on us God's grace with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be, to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and under the, on, on earth under Christ. In him, that's in Christ, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in, in conformity with his purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put, on, put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Whew. How many times were you counting? In Christ, how many times is the inference? 10 times. We're called to be faithful in Christ. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He chose us in Christ. He freely has given us grace in Christ. We have redemption and forgiveness of sin in Christ. He made known the mystery of his will in Christ. He's chosen us. He gives us hope in Christ. He's included us in Christ. And he's marked us with a seal of the Holy Spirit while we are in Christ. It seems to me, maybe it's just me, but being in Christ is pretty important. In fact, it's so important that just not 10 times in this little passage, but over 100 times times does the apostle Paul in his epistles talk about how important it is to stay and to be in Christ. Now go to your notes because this is why it's important. When, when you are in Christ, here's what you need to know. All that is true of him is true of you. All that is true of him is now true of you. When you're in Christ, all that is true of him because you're in him is now true of you. 
Everything that he has now belongs to you. Why? Because we're co-laborers with Christ. We are in covenant relationship with him through the blood of Jesus Christ. We step through the veil and now we have provision given because we are in Christ. So everything that is true of him is now true of us. I'm gonna let that settle in a little bit because in a moment you're gonna be standing up rejoicing because whatever's true of him is true of you. See, whatever you read a scripture about God, all the power that Jesus had, all the miracles that Jesus had, all the grace that Jesus had, all, the, all those things, that is true of you because you're in Christ. When you step into Christ, you have all that you need. That's why when they not put those thesis on the, on the door and he said, listen, it's about Christ and Christ is the treasure of the gospel. He's the treasure of the church. Christ is all you need. This is what he was talking about because when you're in Christ, you have all you need. You have all you need. What does it mean to be in Christ? Let me give you just two quick things before I let you go. Two things. What's it mean to be in Christ? Well, it is a status. If you fly or you travel, maybe some of you are gold status or you know, maybe beyond. You, know, you, you, you can get on the plane first or you get upgraded to first class and make all of us jealous that are in the back, amen. But you have a certain status. The word in Christ, the in, is meant to describe a state or a position of one thing related to another, a position of one thing to another. It is our status when we're in Christ that we're in position, we are in standing with Christ. Let me illustrate this way. Have you ever filled out an application you're asked about your marital status? All the single ladies, put your hand up. I want the guys to see who you are right now and we take care of that this morning. And you marked on there, you marked right, you, if you're married, you marked on there, my status is Married. And because you marked the marriage box indicating that you were married, there were certain things true about you that weren't true about maybe other people that filled out that exact same form. In fact, because you were married, your life was not your own. That's what you're saying. Like you're in relationship with someone else. You share sources and liabilities with someone else. You know how to say yes, dear, if, you're, if you've gotten that far. You have in-laws. You're taken you're in marriage, that's your marital status. You're letting everybody know, the ring indicates, right? I'm taken, I have a different status. I'm living next to someone else. I'm living in relationship next to somebody else. I am married, I'm taken. But can I tell you that the Bible teaches us that we are the bride of Christ, we're taken. We have Jesus Christ as our groom and we are in relationship with him. And that is our status. When we're in him, we have all that we need. We are no longer to consider ourselves broken pieces, but we're consider ourselves child of the most high God that have been bought with a price, that we are now seated at the, at the head of the table, that we're now able to sit at the table of God and we're able to feast on the things of God and we're able to take in the things of God. We're able to discern and know the will and the purpose of God. Why? Because we are in Christ. That's our status. And thirdly, quickly in your notes, it's relationship. To be in Christ just means we're in relationship. You know, it's like the marriage I just talked about. We're in relationship. And there's so many people that don't understand the significance of what we celebrate today, the Reformation. It changed everything. All of culture, all the Western world was changed because of this one day in 1517 that said, you don't have to have a relationship through anything else, but you can have a personal, ongoing, loving, forgiving relationship with your savior, Jesus Christ. 
Last week, I missed the 8.30 service traveling back from Chicago. Joe and I were able to check something off our bucket list. We were able to go see a, a game at Notre Dame Stadium. It was quite an experience. And the best part of it really was just being able to spend time with him. And, you know, we don't get to do that very often, but it was awesome. But we had to get up really early in the morning and on Sunday to catch our flight. I had to return the car. And so I, I went down to the hotel lobby early that morning. And I got the car in the hands of the driver that owned it. And I was down there with my bags and it wasn't quite yet time to leave, but I already had everything packed. And there was a Starbucks there. And so I thought, man, if you need anything at 5.30 in the morning, which was 3.30 in the morning, your time. And when you're there only a little over 24 hours, you don't get acclimated. So I was still, I was tired. So I needed something to get me going. I thought, I'm gonna go get some, I'm gonna go get a Starbucks. So I ordered and I got to the end of the counter where you pick up your drink and I was waiting for them to make it. And, and a man walked in and, and, and he said, can I have a cup of water, please? And I noticed when he reached out to grab his cup of water that he had a medical band on his wrist. And we were right across the street from Chicago Medical Center. And, and so I figured that maybe he had just come from there. And in his hand, I saw release papers that they give you when you leave the hospital. He wasn't homeless. He wasn't dirty. There wasn't, it was just, there, my take on it was he'd just gotten released and, but something was amiss because he was asking for water. He didn't order anything. Maybe he didn't have enough money. He wasn't sure what was going on. So I began to strike up a conversation with him. I said, how are you doing? He said, fine. He goes, I'm doing much better now. He says, I was in the hospital. My kidneys were shutting down. And he said, they have this disease that that causes that uh, if I don't take my medicine or if I run out of my medicine or I can't afford my medicine, he goes, then I have to go back to the hospital for four or five days. And I said, well, that sounds horrific. And he says, it really is. And he says, but all I really need is $3. I said, out of all your need that you just explained, you just need $3? Yeah, he says, I have $3. And if I get three more dollars, I can get on the train and I can go back to Indiana on the train. And I'm just trying to get back home. He goes, well, it's not really home. I go, what do you mean it's not home? Where are you going to? He goes, well, I, I'm living in a halfway house. I said, well, why are you in a halfway house? And he said, well, he said, it's a long story. But he said, I was living with my dad. He says, I have seven brothers and sisters. Most of them are half brothers and sisters. He says, and while I was, while I was sleeping, as my sister came in, my half sister came in and, and she, um, she called the police and she said, I was abusing my dad. They took me to the hospital to be on a 24 hour watch. He goes, this happened last spring. He says, COVID was still going on. And he goes, but the 24 hours I was under watch, they said there was nothing wrong with me. And they released me. But when I went back home, my sister had moved my dad into a care center, sold the, put the house up for sale and sold all of our belongings, took all the money. She took, went to his, I went to his bank and she had withdrawn all the money that was in his bank. She had taken everything and she moved away. We don't know where she is or what she did with the money. I said, man, that's, Eddie, that's terrible. I said, you've been through a lot this year, COVID, your dad's dying and now you with your, he says, yeah. He says, I don't know how I can make it. I said, I don't know how people make it either without Jesus. And he lifted his head and there was nobody in Starbucks at now seven o'clock in the morning. Nobody, that never happens. It's just he and I having a conversation. 
And he lifted his head when I said Jesus, and he said, Jesus? I said, yeah. I said, Eddie, I wanna help you. I'm gonna give you the money you need, but I said, I, I, I want you to know something, that I believe in prayer, the power of prayer. I said, I believe that God heals today. And he goes, I'm not sure about that. I said, I'm a walking miracle. And I told him the three, four minute version of my testimony of how God healed. And, and I said, but I, I believe the most important prayer that you can pray is the prayer of salvation where you ask Christ in your life. I woke up on Sunday, I was missing you guys so much. And I thought, man, I'm not gonna be able to lead anybody to Christ this Sunday. And this is gonna be the only Sunday of the year I didn't have the joy of leading somebody to Jesus. But God said, no, I'm gonna put somebody in your path. Eddie said, you know, there's something happening in me right here in my heart. I feel something. I said, Eddie, that's the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that, that he stands at our heart's door and he knocks. And I was knocking on the counter. I said, if anybody, and by this time, all the Starbucks people are kind of listening in. I don't know if they're mad or if they're really interest, interested, but they're listening. And I said, he stands at our heart's door and he knocks. And he says, if anyone will open his heart's door to me, I'll come in. And I said, that's how we, that's how we bring Christ into our life. He said, that's not what I was taught. I said, well, let me tell you about a verse in Ephesians chapter two and verses eight through 10. And I read the verse that we've been dissecting this morning and I told him, I said, it's by grace through faith. It's not of your works. So no one can boast, but it's a gift of God. And I said, will you receive that gift today, Eddie? He says, I want to, but I have a question for you first. I said, sure, what's your question? He said, who are you? <laughs> and he literally said this, he said, are you, are you an angel or are you sent by God? I said, I'm not an angel. Just ask my wife, my family, right? <laughs> ask the staff, not an angel. I said, but Eddie, I have been sent by God today because that's how much he loves you. He sent me here at this exact moment in time where you would get dismissed from a hospital to run into me so that I could tell you about the most important decision you'll ever make. It's Jesus. I said, are you ready to ask Christ your life? He said, yeah. So right there in Starbucks, we said the sinner's prayer. I began to talk to him about what it meant to follow Christ and how to pray and read the word. And I gave him some money, not more than he needed just to get a meal and some else other things on his way home. We exchanged some, some other information. And, and I said, Eddie, we're gonna be praying for you. And our church back home is gonna be praying for you. But you gotta get into a church. Because see, that's the gift of God. It's, the, it's Jesus Christ. So I don't ask you to do anything that I don't do. I'm always looking, is there somebody? Is there anybody? And this morning, you might be that somebody. You might be that anybody that's here. You might be watching at home and you're that somebody that just hasn't yet made that profession of faith. You just haven't asked Christ to come be a part of your life. Can I tell you, it's time to stop running from God. It's time to come home. 2,000 years ago, God demonstrated his love for you in this. He sent his one and only son so that through him, you might have eternal life. 
And so I'm gonna give you the opportunity at home and those of you who are here, if you're here, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm gonna count to three and you're at home, you're stopping everything that you're doing. Don't be moving around, please. This is a very sacred moment for you, for maybe your family that's listening in, for so many others that are here in this building. And if you need Jesus Christ to be your personal Lord and Savior, if you wanna be in relationship with God, for you to know that your sins are forgiven, for everything to be changed in a moment, in this moment, when I count to three, I want you to raise your hand all over this building and you do the same online, put your hand up. You're acknowledging to God, you need Christ. One, two, come on right now, three, put it up. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm looking at the balcony now, anybody, before I look down low again. Thank you, down here, thank you. Online, thank you so much for joining us. Your hands were raised. And I want you to say this prayer. Everybody say it from the bottom of your heart. Say it out loud. Say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior. I thank you for dying for me. I believe that through you, my sins are forgiven. Help me live for you and all that I say and do for the rest of my days in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us today. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like to further connect with us here at Faith Chapel, visit us online at faithchapelsd.com or any social media platform at faithchapelsd. See you real soon.